Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks to everyone who supports Daily Tech News Show directly. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, August 8th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. And from studio, everybody I'm related to is in town right now. I'm Scott Johnson. Oh, Long Johnson. <laughs> having family, having all the family in town. That's, yeah. a, that's a thing. It's only a week. It'll be over soon. I'm really happy to be here, though. There will be highlights, though. Trust me. You when you, when you say your whole family, what are we talking? 20 people? 50 people? Uh, closer to... It's probably closer to 50. A lot of extended fans. My mom's 80th birthday. Happy Aww, birthday. Mom. Happy birthday, Scott's mom. Happy yeah, birthday, Scott's mom. That's great. We, we have to celebrate such things, but it's a, you know, a little hairy for a few days. I remember Eileen's grandma had her 80th birthday uh, a while back, uh, and we came down to L.A. It was before we lived here, and uh, it was a blast. It was really fun. Yeah. So maybe it'll yeah. turn out great. Yeah, Our producer, Roger <laughs> Chang, is here as well. Roger, how are you? I'm good. Excellent. <laughs> Let's start. We'll throw you a great 80th birthday someday, Roger. Someday. Oh. 70 Woo-hoo. years from now. Yeah. <laughs> Young. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Uh, actually, wait. Now. The Magic Leap 1 Creator Edition Augmented Reality Headset for Developers has been shipping to select areas in the U.S. for $2,295. Developers can go to magicleap.com and enter their shipping zip code to see if it's available in their area. If it's not, you can sign up for a wait list. We're going to talk a little bit more about this, or maybe a lot more, later in the show. Very excited about this. Uh, Facebook introduced two new augmented reality games, speaking of AR, for Messenger's live video group chat. That can be played with up to six friends. Don't smile. It's the name of one of them. Not a command from me. Is a challenge not to smile. And androids, or sorry, asteroids attack. As asteroids that I don't want to freak anyone out attack you. Ah, that's they're like naming a tech news show, daily tech news show. Uh, someone shared pictures on a telegram channel called canal luchkova which at first i was thinking does that mean happy channel but it just means luchkova's channel uh it purports to be a pre-release version of the google pixel 3 xl it's the biggest so-called leak that we've had so far and even places like ours technica are picking it up because it looks pretty legit pictures show USB C earbuds in the pack Uh, it does still have a headphone jack in these pictures 
The screenshots indicate it has an 8-core quantum processor, an Adreno 630 GPU, 4 gigabytes of RAM, and screen resolution at 2960 by 1440. There's also a huge notch, uh, and it does what the Essential Phone does and squeezes those, those notifications and stretches them, so you really only see about three at a time. Apple sent a letter to the U.S. House Committee on Energy and Commerce in response to a request for details on how it protects user privacy. The company says it does not associate location information with user IDs and permanently deletes data from iPhones if it doesn't connect to Wi-Fi or power for seven days. Apple also denied that it listens to customers through iPhone microphones. Well, that's a relief. (laughs) <laughs> it's just so sad that they had to do that but right. okay <laughs> uh let's talk a little m- more about charging yeah let's talk about charging uh eu commissioner for competition marguerite vestager said the commission is assessing options to address the problem with incompatible phone chargers oh yes this If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. This old chestnut. In 2009, manufacturers, including Apple, Samsung, and Nokia, signed a memorandum of understanding to voluntarily standardize the USB, or excuse me, the micro USB connector. Apple did so by providing an adapter to Lightning, which is what they currently use. Most phones use USB-A or USB-C, though Apple still uses its proprietary Lightning connector. 
Uh, the EU would like to encourage a situation where phones and chargers are brought uh, are bought separately and can be reused across multiple devices. If I were to throw my own hat into this ring, it would be, could we all just go USB-C and quit it and knock it off with all the different things? That'd be great. I'm all for the goal here, right? One of the goals is uh, cut down on waste. There's a lot of wall warts out there that don't get used and shouldn't need to have been made. Mm-hmm. And that's just a waste of materials. Uh, there's there's a great, great convenience to just having a couple of chargers and being able to use them with anything. I'm very, very much against the idea of the government mandating this because of the fact that, hey, guess what? They all agreed voluntarily to use micro USB. And what do we want them to use now? Not micro USB, USB-C. Companies need to be free to be able to improve the charging experience. Uh, I think there are other things the EU can do to continue to encourage voluntary compliance. But personally, I I just think it will end up being a problem and and... You know, people overemphasize that it'll slow down innovation. But if a company really could do something cool, but they're like, ah, but we'd have to use a different charging port and we're not allowed to do that, uh, that could become an issue. Well, imagine a world where we're stuck forever with USB or micro USB, which turned out, in my opinion, I don't want to speak for everybody here, to be kind of crappy. They break, they bend, they short out easy. It's not a great solution. It's nice and small and tiny, but it turned out not to be that great in the long run. Imagine having having to be stuck with something like that for a really long time because of some mandate. So in that regard, I I agree with you. I I wish that the companies would do more to work together toward these standards, but I don't I don't need for lack of a better term dumb government telling me which standard is best. Yeah. I no, I, I and and granted, granted, uh there there are lots of of benefits to that. Uh, and I would I would encourage the EU to do lots of things short of mandating, because even if they like, oh, well, we'll just change to USB-C when that becomes the standard, you know, governments don't move fast. Yeah, there are so many consortiums uh, that are focused on creating unified standards because it's in the best interest of businesses. However, and Apple's just one example, but it's a it's a big one of a company who's like, yeah, we're doing it our way and we want to sell as many things as possible. And if the government doesn't mandate and a consortium doesn't agree on a standard, then, you know, we're still stuck with, I mean, I have like lightning and USB-C, uh, you know, a million of them where I'm like, which one is this? I don't know. Put it in my laptop. Oh no, that's the wrong one. Looks the same. Ah. Mm. All right, moving on to food. Uber Eats, the food delivery branch of Uber, is rolling out a new price tool that will vary the booking fee primarily based on your distance from the restaurant that the food is coming from and allow you to choose your maximum booking fee within the app. If, for example, you don't want a booking fee that's over 10 bucks, for example, the closer you are, the cheaper it will be, at least in theory. The further you are away, the more expensive it gets, sort of like surge pricing for food. Even though Uber does this now, but this is sort of different. The fee varies per city, but is currently between about 2 and $8. So depending on what you're getting, going closer to the $2 is advantageous. Uber Eats first launched in L.A. back in 2014 under the moniker Uber Fresh, if you remember it back then. Today, it's in more than 293 cities and 35 countries. A few of those countries, by the way, Uber, the car service, doesn't even operate it in. We used them the other day uh, and got... This burger place that's not far from us. Actually, Tom, you and I have eaten there before. And you remember oh, that place? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, it was two bucks. It was the best, cheapest. So thing. you've already got this. It sounds like that's awesome. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was awesome. And we didn't even know it. We weren't trying to find out if we had anything new. I didn't even, honestly, until this article happened, I figured this stuff was just standard stuff. We just did it and we went, two bucks, of course we're doing this, and got everybody food that night. And it was ridiculous. Like, we'll never not do that. So <laughs> it's great. I love it. Yeah. Um, making there, it a little there, cheaper, right, to, to deliver, but it's still expensive. It also ma- just, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> just because I use Uber Eats four nights a week, so I, I have lots of feelings about this. It actually it makes a lot of sense because every once in a while if I say, I want a burrito – and, you know, there's a burrito place that's like close to me, but maybe not my favorite burrito place. And there's a further one away that's the better burrito, but it's going to be $20 at the end of the at that trip. That gives me a little bit more to say, all right, well, how much do I want that far away burrito? Because Uber yeah. Eats, at least for me, never really laid that out. And I know you're time. just making up numbers, but it, it's only between 2 and $8. So it's not even going to be 20 bucks. It's going to be 8 but you may be like, eh, I mean, 20 I bucks some- for the burrito for the and, burrito. The, delivery oh, for the, total. and the service yeah, yeah, yeah. fee, you know, yeah. $20. I don't want the burrito that bad. Fifth Domain reports that research from CryptoWire funded by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security found several OS-level vulnerabilities in mobile devices offered by Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, and Sprint. Keep in mind, CryptoWire, uh, funded by DARPA uh, and uh, the Department of Homeland Security at the beginning, so these, these, these are bedfellows. Vulnerabilities were described as privilege escalations, which is a common vulnerability type in all kinds of computing. Manufacturers were notified of the flaws in February. CryptoWire found vulnerabilities in the Blue Phone in November 2016, which spurred the funding for this further research. The thing that's bothering me about this story is uh, the quotes from the Department of Homeland Security and therefore a lot of the headlines and a lot of the reporting are making it sound like this is a, a surprise. <laughs> uh, they're like, and, and they, we found something called a privilege escalation and that could allow somebody to do anything to your phone. We're like, yeah, if you haven't followed security ever, that's going to sound really scary and it is really scary and it should be patched. But what I think is positive and what they should be emphasizing is, hey, the DHS funded some research. We found some vulnerabilities and we told the manufacturers and now they're not vulnerabilities anymore. Isn't that great? This should be a positive story, not a scare story. Yeah, I agree. It's going to get uh, I have bad news for them, though. when uh, Fortnite is available for Android and you can only get it through the uh, official site. Uh, there are going to be all kinds of people sideloading things that they are told is official Fortnite or told are extra V-Bucks or free skins that are really uh, stuff looking for access to your phone that will cause all kinds of problems. So whole separate issue. I don't want to create a whole other article about it. I just want to put it out there that they should just, if they're worried, they should keep looking because that's going to be a mess in the next few months. I This is a good use of government money, in my opinion, is fund some reputable researchers. I don't know that much about CryptoWire, but what I do know, they, they seem okay. But fund reputable, experienced security researchers to find vulnerabilities and get them patched before people who want to take malicious advantage of them do. There you go. Someone posted source code from Snapchat on Microsoft-owned GitHub. Snap responded with a DMCA takedown notice, and the code was removed. All right, I've set the t- I've set the stage. <laughs> the user account used to upload the code has no other projects, and s- nothing certain is known about these people or this person. The user's profile link links to a uh, website offering phone programming services and what appears to be modified software. As we mentioned yesterday, Snap reported higher revenues than expected, but its first quarterly decline in users in history. Uh, in addition, Saudi Arabia Prince Alawid bin Talal announced he is buying a 2.3% stake in the company. lot going on. 
with Snapchat. I don't so know why. So the DMCA takedown notice and code being removed is, of course, that you know that makes sense, but it was obviously not before it was grabbed, right? Uh, that's. Oh yeah, it's out there. People have copies of it. It's out there. So Although I mean, source code being first- out there is 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 a good security measure. It's, it may be bad for Snap if if people rip off their intellectual property, but security wise, it's it's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't know that this has anything to do with any recent earnings report, but to me, this sort of screams disgruntled employee, especially because Snap laid off some people recently. Now, I have no knowledge of that, but that would be my guess Mm. because it seems so sort of passive aggressive. Yeah. Also, I wonder, I mean, I think everybody who makes their own code base and they're building their own products, their stuff should you know, they should be able to protect that stuff. They should be able to go after those who leak it or, or steal it. Or, you know, this isn't me saying the opposite of that. Um, but I have to wonder what is so big in that code? Like, um, I understand they've got a platform and it does some stuff, but we're not talking about, you know, the, we're not talking about crazy features or functionality in that device or in that software that you just couldn't wait to get your hands on. Maybe I am naive to what, you know, certain bad actors who would want it, but. Well, I I mean, when you think about the, some of the filters that Snapchat has come up with, even though, yes, this is something that can be replicated with Instagram stories and, and, and other apps, uh, a filter that responds to sound, for example, or, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, I don't know, changes the, photo or video in some sort of a way that that nobody else is doing. I can see where there are parts of Snap's code, wherever they may be, that that somebody would be really interested in in, in replicating or at least digging through. I mean, I think it's it's admirable that you're looking for motivation beyond people just wanting to do it to mess with these companies, Uh, because that that is likely the major, major point of this. This happened to Apple back in February. If you if you don't remember, there was a core component of iOS that was posted to GitHub. It's meant to embarrass Apple. And, and, And possibly there are people who think it's a way to, you know make these companies uh, shape up and take security uh, more seriously, which is sometimes true. But but honestly, it really doesn't have to necessarily have any kind of motivation except someone being willing to say, not only was I able to do it, but here's the proof. And I'm posting it publicly so for everybody to see. And I like that it caused a ruckus. That's yeah. true. Well, mission accomplished, I say. (laughs) Speaking of causing a ruckus on yesterday's show, we mentioned that Elon Musk had tweeted, quote, I'm considering taking Tesla private at $420, end quote. He eventually followed that up with a letter to employees at Tesla on the company's blog saying such a move would be the best path forward. You might recall Michael Dell did a similar thing with Dell back in 2013 to avoid the pressures of public investors. However... Tesla has $1.9 billion in debt and loses money making financing the move more challenging. However, it's Elon Musk. He says investor support is confirmed and the move is contingent on a shareholder vote. Six of Tesla's nine directors said Wednesday that the board had met several times over the last week to discuss the idea. Sounds like they're serious about it. It wasn't just a tweet. Current investors could sell shares or opt to remain investors in the private version of Tesla. So I'll admit, 50% 50% chance, I thought, yesterday, that this was a weed joke because it was 420. Uh, and it turns out, no, they've been talking about this for weeks. It was just one of those weird Elon Musk things where he decides to make something public on Twitter out of nowhere. Um, it will be a challenging move to take a company with this much debt private. But if he can swing it, it really worked for Dell. And Dell is going back public now. So 
it it could be exactly the thing Tesla needs to escape some of that investor pressure. I think there's an argument to be made that the investor pressure is keeping them honest in some cases, and that could be a problem if Elon Musk is allowed to do whatever he wants. Although, you know, then it becomes your opinion of what you think of Elon Musk. Yeah. And one would think that the, the path back would be the same as Delta, which is eventually they go public again when they get stuff worked out. But um, I don't know. The whole thing just feels a little weird. But then it's Elon Musk. So <laughs> I think I bought in for the weird. Hey, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. All right. As we mentioned, Magic Leap 1 Creator Edition augmented reality headset for developers shipping for 2300 bucks if you're in the right zip code. Although Magic Leap says that it will roll out more areas that it will ship to as the year goes along. If you can order one, it includes free shipping and setup. They'll help you set it up. And if you want to spend an additional 500 bucks, you can get 24-hour replacement if it breaks. So kind of a warranty-type situation. If it's not available to you yet, you can sign up for a wait list, uh, and they'll let you know when it becomes available for you. If you've seen it, you know that it's a big old goggle-like headset, and then there's something called the light pack that you clip on a pocket or clip on your belt. It's fairly small, but that's where all of the internals are. That's where the NVIDIA Tegra X2 mobile chipset and everything is. Uh, and there's a handheld controller. Now, all the reviewers admit that it's actually really comfortable on your head, even though it looks bulky. Uh, it's not heavy. And that they forget that the light pack is even attached to them. It has a 50-degree field of view which is a bit wider than the HoloLens 35 degrees, but still much smaller than any virtual reality headset. But again, remember, you're able to see the real world around you, so there's a different challenge going on here. Uh, other, other specs, if you're interested, 8 gigabytes of memory, 128 gigabytes of storage. Uh, battery life is supposed to be about three hours. Charges over USB-C, so all those universal chargers that the EU will mandate will work with it. There's a headphone jack, uh, but you can also use the built-in speakers, uh, like kind of like the Oculus Go. They have a deal with AT&T to provide wireless data, but it's not in this edition. This edition only has Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. And then there's uh, the apps. There's a web browser, uh, social suite, few kind of tool things for making virtual objects. Dr. Gord Bortz Invaders, an art tool called Create, an MBA app, musical uh, Sigaross collaboration to Nandi app. Uh, So... There you go. It's real, folks. The Magic Leap, which I have been skeptical about for years and said, call me when they ship. Somebody call me. They're shipping. Hey, Tom, they're totally shipping. What? I mean, they're not, they're not shipping in the way that I want yet, but that's okay. I mean, this is what this takes, and I think this is probably the next logical stage in the rollout. Um, I, it, it is a little weird to actually think, this is not vapor. I'm not not that we all thought it was vaporware, and you and I saw some recent stuff on a stream where we went, "Oh, well, look, there's so there, there's an actual unit." And I mean, it's been shown to people. It's not like we don't have some proof that it, that they've been making something, and certainly investors have been piling money on them, knowing that they're making something. But it always felt a little vapory to me. And finally, here it is. Um, if I was a developer and it made sense, I would be super stoked about this. I feel like. You know, Magic Leap is is in the forefront of AR. Whether they have proven themselves to be in the forefront or not, they are at least in a PR way. And so we are going to very quickly find out what's what it's all about. And there were reviews out today. If developers are getting up, getting online, and they're talking about what they've seen, and they're showing stuff on YouTube and uh, talking about how they feel about it, and it feels like people are they're okay with it. They're I, not. I mean, you know. Magic Leap set up expectations that this was going to be like 
tiny little things that shoot light into your eyes and you'll barely even know they're there uh, and didn't show anything for years. And now we know why, because they've shown some of their early prototypes, which were like gigantic <laughs> headsets and refrigerator sized processors. Uh, so they've, they've come a long way. But in the process, I remember uh, 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 the, the CEO saying they weren't going to ship until they had a consumer product. Now they've backpedaled to say, well, it is a consumer-grade product, even though we're only shipping it to developers. And it really feels like it's a slightly more comfortable, slightly wider field of view version of the HoloLens. Yeah. As somebody who I put in my uh, zip code earlier, and it is uh, shipping to my area. If I had $2,300, I'd be right on that. But... I guess my my initial question is, okay, well, assuming there's limited availability, what is the reason behind the regional areas that could get it now rather than, you know, other regional areas full of developers who are really interested that don't? And what does that do for sort of that second marketplace? Yeah. I mean, my guess is they only have so many of these things they can afford to make (laughs) for whatever reason, whether it's capacity or, or cost. And so they're targeting like, well, we know that there's developers in the Bay Area, so we're gonna tar- we're gonna include the Bay Area and Seattle. Yep, Seattle's in. Oh, L.A. Silicon Beach. Yep, okay, L.A. Oh, New York City. Absolutely, gotta gotta include New York City. And they go down the list from there, where it's most likely that they'll hit a lot of developers who will come up with something good because right. this is what they're after. They're after like, okay, what is Magic Leap good for in its current form? Ronnie Abovitz has said a lot of great things about what what it could be good for if it ever gets to that final non-invasive form where you barely even notice it's there. Uh, But what is going to make people put on these crazy goggles and use it is a whole different question. Yeah. I mean, I don't – I also think that they can't ignore the existing numbers for VR headsets sold. And I understand that that's a very different business. It's a very different approach. Not really speaking to the technology so much, but the adoption – uh, while growing is small. It's like four or five million headsets out there that are broken up between various Oculus and, and gear variations and then the desktop stuff, Oculus and Vive and so on. Um, this doesn't include mixed reality headsets coming from Microsoft, Dell, and everybody else. So they have to look at those numbers and go, well, you know, we need to <laughs> – how are we feeling about the initial adoption if we were to go public with this, if this thing was a $300, $400 device? Like, what are our expectations based on some of that performance? I know that plays a role in this. And so I think this is the smartest thing to do. Get it into the hands of very creative, very technically proficient people who can make rad stuff happen and then show that off. And then suddenly maybe you've got yourself a platform. But this is a real make or break moment, I think. I think this is going to be really important to them. They can't do like uh, Google and just go, ah, send all your glasses back. We're done with that for now. We're going to maybe work on something later. Like this Also, is not done with it. Just moved it to Enterprise where it's very successful. Well, you know what I mean, though. Like They have the option to do that, to move it around. Magic Leap's not going to do that. This is their product. This is their number one thing. They're not going to suddenly go, eh. Back burner that one. We'll work on something else. Maybe move it to a different apartment. Like, this is the department. This is the Yeah, this is all they got. I mean, they have a lot of investment from Google and others, uh, but but it's just them, and this is their thing. This is the one thing. And they've got thousands of employees. I mean, this is not not a small startup. This is a huge venture. They are are gambling a lot. I mean, people complain about MoviePass and the burn rate of MoviePass as they tried to, to build up enough users to make it. Uh, and who knows? Maybe MoviePass will still make it. It doesn't look good, but who knows? Magic Leap is burning way more money. It just isn't 
in the public eye or affecting you directly right now. Magic yeah. Leap also raised over $2 billion. Yeah, so that's the money I'm talking about that they're burning. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're burning it, but it's also, you know, if they had raised... Two million dollars, you know, the, the sort of thing. You know, we we've seen companies crash and burn, you know, real re- very early on or, or earlier than the company was certainly hoping right. for this very reason. So that kind of R and D phase, Magic Leap has had a bit of a pass just because so much money was raised initially. Well, because they were yeah. able to convince people that it was worth it, right? Well, and also, I mean, that's part of that crazy sticker price. I mean, to me, it's like that's that's a crazy sticker price. I I, I don't. I don't know who has that money. I mean, obviously, if you if you're you know a developer, you've, or you're um, I don't know richer than me, or both. Well, then- but the Hololens <laughs> is more expensive, so exactly. You know, it's it, it's I'm a but, small but, startup I mean, with I, a little uh, bit of little bit of seed funding. I can afford one of these. Right. Sure, sure, M- one perhaps. And if, <laughs> and if you had a business that was looking for the <laughs> AR as being part of whatever you had in mind for whatever your little you know, sub business was going to be, and you need AR to make it happen. This is a perfect investment for you. But all of those parties are having to think about adoption. And that initial adoption rate has not been great for VR. As cool as VR is and as great as it's advancing and there is growth, it's just a little disappointing. So there are entire studios, for example, in the video game world who have stopped working entirely on VR only focused products and said, eh, we're making a 2d version. You can just play on your monitor and your mouse and keyboard. And that will help sort of supplement them through this period because I, they have to. And I think AR is looking at a similar initial launch and rollout. It's not as good as Ronnie Abovitz led us to believe. It's not as good as that sticker price Sarah's mentioning would make you think. But it's still pretty good. Yeah. All right. You know what else is good? Everybody who participates in our subreddit. God love you. Submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. We're also on Facebook. If you want to hang out with us over there, come on over. Facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Oh, you and your newfangled Facebooks and your Reddits. What about electronic mail, Sarah? Oh, funny you asked, Tom, because we got an email from Jude who says, just following up on your conversation from Tuesday's show, episode 3341, regarding ordering products using Amazon's assistant. We all know her name. Jude says, I was having a conversation with my wife about needing protein mix. She interrupted our conversation and asked if she should place an order for that item. I believe I was saying something with the keyword, but it was too cool to have a conversation in normal language, trigger an activity. I actually wanted. So I did go ahead with the order since she also stated the price of the item and said that I had ordered it previously. I love this email because normally the kind of email we get is someone saying that this kind of thing happened and how angry they are and (laughs) and how awful the echo is. And I love that Jude's like, well, we actually needed the protein powder, so Jude, it was kind of cool. Like, like, all right, yeah, 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 no, you're right. She interrupted me, but I have bought this before, and <laughs> yeah. that's a good price. Go for it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, that was great. I love that email. Uh, also, Saqib wrote in and said, on Tuesday's show, Thomas wrote in saying that it feels as if assistive tech is 20 years behind the rest of the world. While this may be true in some cases, in several areas, people with disabilities are way ahead of the technology adoption curve. I'm a blind software engineer at Microsoft and, shameless plug, lead a team working on an iOS app called Seeing AI, which has been mentioned on DTNS a couple of times. It's a talking camera app which describes the text, people, and objects around you. Thomas should give it a go. Love the show. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Saqib. Uh, yeah, it's uh, we have talked about it, and it does work. I, I've tried it out, so that that's a good one to remind us of. Thank you. 
Thank you so much, Saqib, and also Jude, and also Scott Johnson for being with us this fine Wednesday. Scott, I know you got a you got a full house in the old uh, Salt yes, Lake Valley do. this week. What else has been going on? <laughs> the whole valley's full this week. Um, <laughs> there's a lot going on, uh, as always, around here. We are just about ready to fulfill uh, this playing card Kickstarter I started back in the early summer. We're uh, completing it. I guess it was late spring. And it will be shipping soon. So if any of you are listening and you are part of that, good news. That stuff's coming soon. You will have your decks. They are in the printer's hands, and we are moving right along. Uh, But for that and all other active projects I have going on, be that shows, art, illustration, whatever it may be, head on over to frogpants.com. And as always, catch my intermittent ramblings at Twitter. I'm at Scott Johnson. Don't forget, folks, I'm headed to St. Louis sometime in September that I really need to remember to add the date to before we do the next show, which I believe is something like uh, September 6th. I don't know. Something like that. Uh, if only if only I had written it down. Oh, uh, 6th and 7th. Uh, I will be in the St. Louis area, mostly in the Metro East area in Illinois. Uh, so I'm looking for places to host the show. I've got a few leads, uh, and I think I'm taking care of on Thursday, but I'm still looking for a place in Illinois on Friday. Uh, and once I get that down, I'll be scheduling a meetup. So keep tuned for that if you're in the St. Louis area. Uh, and if you have suggestions for places to do the show, feedback at Daily Tech News Show. Thanks to everybody who supports this show uh, and is able to communicate with us through the Discord, uh, through the Slack. Uh, We have great conversations going on in both of those places right now, and you should join them if you haven't already at patreon.com slash DTNS. Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com if you got St. Louis recommendations for Tom or anything that you'd like us to know about you. Get it off your chest. Write us. It's good stuff. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. That's 2030 UTC, and you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Justin Robert Young. Talk to you then. part of the frog pants network get more at frogpants.com diamond club hopes you have enjoyed this program (laughs) hi this is janice torres from yo quiero dinero if you own or operate a business whether it's a local operation or a global corporation partnering with bank of america could be your smartest move By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.